0: Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast to help you be the best you can be to grow your business, your relationships, and personal life. Our conversations with thought leaders and everyday people will inspire you. My mission is to show how positivity helps us all live a more rewarding and meaningful life. Hello, this is Robin Stratton Burckhessel, host of Positivity Strategists, and welcome to the show. This week, my guest is Jamie Sussel Turner. Jamie will share a valuable set of tips and strategies that's a guide for hiring, coaching, and leading great employees that will help with less stress in your business. But first, let's start with our Positivity Lens activity segment. As you know, I do this each week as a way to strengthen our positivity muscle and to hone our ability to view people and situations through multiple lenses, particularly the positive lens. Remember what you focus on grows. I just want to say that I was excited to read in the Wall Street Journal recently a definition of wisdom that said, wisdom is the ability to resolve issues from multiple perspectives. I like that a lot. When we exercise our positivity lens, we are becoming wiser. Last week's episode, positivitystrategist.com slash PS16, the positivity lens activity was to try on the three steps of the appreciating, imagining, acting process created by author Jackie Kelm. That's A-I-A, appreciating, imagining, acting. I suggested you try out the three steps. Step one, appreciate what is. And that is to begin focusing on the best of a situation. Step two was imagine your ideal. Picture yourself in the situation how you want to be. Step three, act in alignment. What's the smallest step that you can take to help you to be happy, stay centered and enjoy yourself? Did you take advantage of the free download of the Positivity Lens Activity Sheet to have those three steps available to you at all times? And as you reflected on these three questions, what did you discover about yourself in the process and what you discovered about others and about your own situation? For me, I was so encouraged to be reminded of these three simple yet life-changing steps. Steps. I consider myself to live in this frame and to look at life through this appreciative lens, yet it's always good to hear it from someone else's perspective and be reminded that we all need to keep at it. We all need to do the work to appreciate the joy. I'm grateful to Jackie for her appreciative living steps and will continue to come back to it over and over. Today, my guest is Jamie Sussel turner and we're going to be talking about how to have less stress in our lives because Jamie authored a book on the subject. It came out this year. It's called Less Stress Business, a guide for hiring, coaching, and leading great employees. I'll invite Jamie to talk about her book and her motivation for writing it in a second. But first, Jamie, I want to welcome you to Positivity Strategist.
1: Thank you so much, Robin. It is such a pleasure to be talking with you today. Um, I've been listening to your podcast and I've enjoyed the ones I've heard. And so I'm just honored to be a part of it. Oh,
0: that's so lovely. Yeah, I'm really thrilled to have you. So before we get into our conversation, Jamie, let me provide a little more background. Jamie Sussell Turner is a business coach and leadership consultant working with executives, business owners and their teams. And in this capacity, Jamie also offers workshops and trainings in leadership and communication. Jamie transitioned her own career to coaching full-time after many years of service in leadership roles in the educational system, including 12 years as a school principal. Jamie, before we get into talking about your book and how it can create less stress business... I'd like to invite you to reflect for a moment on your own leadership role in the education system. I'm sure there would have been high points and low points as in any leadership role, whatever the context. You know, times when you felt stress and times when you felt elated and everything was going smoothly and it was just fabulous. So I'd like to go there first. I'd like you to think back to a time when you felt you were at your best in your own leadership role. And what was that like, you know, when stress was absent, what was going on for you and for all those that you were leading?
1: Well, Robin, that's a great question. I wish I could say that there was one time when stress was actually absent. I think it's unrealistic to think it ever completely melts away. But I did move in my leadership from being highly stressed to a place where I felt that I hit my leadership stride. And it happened, I think, around seven or eight years into my role as school principal. And it happened for me after I had worked very hard on my leadership and improving various aspects of it because no one goes into a leadership role completely having all of the leadership muscles they need well-defined. There's always room for learning and growth. And I was really sailing along when I learned some skills that that I needed to learn. So for me, it was learning how to have conversations that I had been holding on to and figuring out how to provide feedback to members of the staff so that I could help them grow into being the best teachers, best people, best students, best parents, whatever their role was. And learning how to create an open and honest dialogue so that that feedback was um, two-way, so I was able to hear what they were saying in a way that was very hard for me in the beginning. In the beginning of my leadership I was, you know, it's hard to admit this now, but I was pretty defensive when I had an idea or a position on something and someone saw it differently. I found it really hard to see it from their point of view because I wasn't listening deeply enough and understanding what they were saying. So, I worked very hard on learning how to do that and change that about myself. So, I would say my stress diminished as a leader when I was able to not take it so personally that someone had a different point of view and to learn that their point of view was coming from their context and their experiences and it was worthwhile and valuable and the ideas we would have and the results we would have as a team and as a school would be better because of everybody's ideas being heard and valued. And I learned that we could create something that was actually better than any one of us would have come up with on our own, but when we worked together and had an honest and open dialogue among the staff.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And Jamie, is there a particular story that comes to mind as to you know, going through those learnings yourself and having those insights and your own growth and your own development, all of which, by the way, come out in the book with the seven practices that you share in this book. But is there a story like just that moment that we can get that sense of what it was like for you?
1: Well, um, there's so many stories. It's hard to come up with any particular one story right now, uh, because I'm a few years out from that. But one little moment, I mean, this isn't probably the biggest story that I have, but one little moment happened. Um, I'm kind of proud that as a school principal at a time when many schools were eliminating recess and not allowing kids as much time outside and having time for physical play, I saw the value in not just not limiting it, but increasing the time that children had outside. And I was principal of a primary school, preschool to third grade and I remembered how important that was in my day to get outside and move about. And so I brought the idea to the staff about how to how we could rework our schedule around lunch and recess so the children could have not just 30 minutes of recess time every day, but 40 minutes. And I had some ideas, and what I would have done in the past was just kind of come up with the idea and tell everybody, okay, this is what we're doing. But I had learned a new approach and learned how to present my idea in a way that I could invite all the differing opinions and perspectives that everyone in the room had because everyone comes from a situation differently from their own experience and I was just amazed at that staff meeting at how we ended up with the best possible way to make this happen and not only was it great for the kids of course you know I was a very popular principal by adding 10 minutes of recess time, (laughs) but it was great for the staff because the staff could feel that their voice was heard and that they were empowered to really shape our school and what was happening in the school and their ideas were important and valued. And that then when the idea was put into play, everybody was already on board with it. It wasn't like I had to sell a new idea to anyone or even explain it to them, they had a hand in creating it. So they were already on board. So to me, that that was an example of a high point in my leadership.
0: I don't think that's a little story at all. I think that's a fabulous story. So much comes out of that in terms of the leadership and the involvement and the engagement and the benefits to everybody and having their voice. So just before we move off from that, I'm going to dig a little deeper. What do you value about yourself in that story?
1: Well, um, I value that I was able to change and grow in my leadership and learn new ways to be the leader I saw myself as being, but I just didn't have it all together in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I find that with my clients um, all the time, my coaching clients, is that they have a vision of the kind of leader they want to be, but there's a gap between where they are now and where they want to be. So we really work at seeing what it will take to move us, myself and my clients, to that vision that we have. And for me, it was learning how to include all the voices mm-hmm. and to not take it personally when people disagreed with me and to listen deeply. I'll tell you, my stress was so much less. Um, I felt, you know, like I was doing the job and with a calmer and clearer presence Mm. as a leader. And I think that helped everyone in the school community.
0: Yeah, that's lovely. And so you retired from education in 2009. Yes. And then the book came out um, just this year, 2014. So in those five years, what was going on for you that resulted in producing this really handy practical book, which is about less stress in business and I love the subtitle, which is a guide for hiring, coaching, and leading great employees. Mm. I love the focus of that. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about how the book emerged for you. I mean, I'm hearing that it's probably from your own life experience and what you learned and you wanted to go out and then when you became a coach, help others do this.
1: Well, it's really a combination of my own experience and Also, what I've learned from my clients, you know, coaches always learn a lot from the clients we work with. Yeah. And I started, I I made a very smooth transition from being a principal to becoming a coach. Because part of me was a coach as a school principal. So it was something I had received my coaching training and certification a few years before I left my full time work as a school principal. So I was gearing up already to my work as a coach. So it was a very smooth transition for me. I would say that I really wanted to support the growth of whoever I was attracting. I I didn't really know who I would be coaching when I started out. I kind of envisioned initially it would be school leaders, and I had a few clients who were school leaders, but somehow I attracted a different client base, and they were business owners and executives, and I was very surprised at how similar our experiences were Mm. because Anyone who has more than one employee is faced with a lot of challenges around guiding and leading and uh, coaching those employees. And that's a big part of the success of a business. And it's also a big part of the stress that a leader feels. Because when things aren't going well with, with one's employees, it creates a really stressful environment for the leader and for everyone on the team. So I began to really see some patterns in what was contributing to that stress. And I started writing about it. I I enjoy writing, and writing is a way of learning and growing for me. So I started a blog three years ago. And in that blog, I wrote about some of the discoveries my clients had. I wrote about insights that I had around this topic and other topics as well. I, I tend to write about whatever is foremost in my mind at the time really what I need to work through actually, and as many writers do. And I started to see patterns in where the stress was coming from and what caused my own stress as well as the stress of my clients. And that's where my seven less stress business practices emerged from, Mm -hmm. from seeing those patterns and what I was writing Mm -hmm. about.
0: I was curious about the theme for you as a leader that was coming up and still comes up for you in your coaching. I think you have expressed that in terms of the patterns, but there's anything else you wanna say in terms of the theme that you are continuing to see?
1: Well, one theme is that stress is a choice, that when we're leaders and we feel very stressed about different aspects of our leadership, we have a choice to look at it in a more positive way and to take positive action, towards the areas that are stressing us out. And the challenge is sometimes we don't know what's stressing us out. So we have to figure out how we can uncover Mm. that stress. And that's why I put a self-assessment tool in the back of the book so readers could take that tool and see where they wanted to begin. So the book is almost like a coaching session in and of itself. And I've heard that from some some of the people who have reviewed it, that it's like having a personal coach because you can use the self-assessment tool and find out where your stress is coming from as a leader and then figure out where to work on that stress. And it's a choice, It's, it's whether we're willing to really take ourselves on and do what we can do, what's within our power. I think sometimes some of the people I start out coaching, some of the business owners and leaders, they start out thinking, that it's all their employees fault, Mm. that if they just had new employees, things would be a whole lot better. And what they come to realize in the process of of our coaching relationship very often is that we, we have a lot to do with creating the employees that we have. It's like we have the best employees we deserve, because we do a lot to create who's on our team. And it starts with how we hire them. It continues with the conversations we have and the onboarding process and helping them understand the values that we have and the culture of our organization. And it continues with the feedback loop that we create, the mutual feedback between our employers and, and the leadership. And then it continues on from there in the culture of the organization. So, As business owners and executives, we have, I think, more to do with creating that team than many of my clients think they have at the beginning of our coaching relationship.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. And I think the self-assessment tool is really fabulous and you can track your progress over time if you choose to do that. And I think that's very helpful because you then begin to get very clear about your own patterns and your behaviors. But one of the things that I really enjoyed about the book is it kind of teaches you, like you say, it's like your own self-help guide or your own coaching guide, how we can be proactive to decrease the stressors. And that's what I really like. So it's actually taking you out of what's not working. And the seven practices that you outline are very real and um, you give great stories around it and you give lots of advice and you share insights about how you can overcome some of these stressors to lessen them in your life, as you you know, it's called less stress business. But the big takeaway for me is that how we talk to ourselves about our own beliefs about ourselves and our belief about what leadership is. And I think when you get into conversations about all of those things, that then becomes the doorway to being able to begin to make the changes and the shifts To decrease the stressors in your life you talk about choice I think it's also about you know high self-awareness and when you don't feel centered and have no confidence your leadership in your relationships and your work starts to also get impacted by that
1: oh absolutely Robin that is so critical I couldn't agree more And I do a lot of work with my clients around self-talk and the language that they use. And uh, sometimes I'll pick up just a word that they they say. I have one client recently who was talking about embarrassment over something that had happened. And it wasn't something that the client did. It was something that someone else did. And I wanted to help that client shift that feeling of embarrassment to something more positive Mm -hmm. for her. And what did it say for her? And, you know, it wasn't a reflection of her. So I think you're absolutely right. It's the messages that we give ourselves. It's learning how to reframe those messages in a more positive way. Um, Another example is I had a client who had been let go from her job and it was completely demoralizing. So my client was giving herself very negative messages about having been fired. And what I helped her do was look at the positive things that came out of the firing. And it had given her time to be home with her children. And there were challenges with one of, one child that she had, and she was able to really be there to support her child. And so she started to think of being fired, not as being fired, but as a sabbatical from work. And when she started thinking of it as a sabbatical from work, she was able to shift her energy completely into a very positive, positive direction. Mm. And that was really life changing for her.
0: Yeah. Yes. Reframing is such a big part of this. So it's how you choose to look at something. I think we would also agree that the value of hindsight is pretty amazing. Sometimes we have to distance ourselves a little bit in order to look through a different set of lenses.
1: I I think we have to I think distance helps. You're right about that. But I think it also helps to process it with someone else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we stay in our heads too much. And that can be very productive at times. But even talking with someone else, whether it's a friend, a trusted advisor, a coach, a therapist, whoever the other person might be, can also help us to, to process and figure out what's come out of that experience and learn from it. And I, when you talked before, Robin, about beliefs, I think one of my fundamental beliefs is that there's something positive that comes from every life experience. And sometimes it takes a little bit more mining to figure out what that positivity might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's helped me in my life so much to have that attitude
0: mm. about, about life. So what does it mean to you, Jamie? What does positivity mean to you?
1: To me, it's really about learning and recognizing that there's growth and insight that we can have and that when we look at it through that lens of insight and positivity it can help us move to our best self that when we are in a place of critic criticizing and shaming ourselves and feeling critical it's hard to embrace a new way of being so, being kind to ourselves and accepting who we are in the moment, and yes, sometimes we mess up, and sometimes we don't say things in the way we want or show up in the best way and if we hold on to that and and beat ourselves up over it, uh, we can't move on to becoming the best person we want to be mm. so it's it's a little bit about self forgiveness and mm. Accepting that we're human beings and we're all flawed human beings in different ways and accepting that about ourselves so that we can look at life anew. And, you know, every day is a fresh day and a fresh chance to wake up and start anew and put into practice the ways we want to be and the, to live by our values and continue to do that. And so to me, that's such a positive outlook on life that we can continue to evolve. Our best self is always evolving, whether it's as a leader or as a human being.
0: Yeah. And as you say, having a thinking partner to go through that with helps enormously. You know, it is about that human connection and the relationships that we can build because we don't have to do it alone there are supports and resources out there. And it takes discipline, it takes work. These things can shift very quickly and sometimes it, it's a gradual process of building that muscle to be able to deal with situations and begin to see over time the benefits and why changes happen to us. So I, I'm just curious, coming back to your book now, is there something in the book that's powerful for you and an experience that you had? I'd love you to share your iconic story.
1: Sure, Robin. I'd be delighted to. And for me, it was really strange how it came to me because it's a story from when I was 12 years old. And it emerged when I was writing chapter one of the book. And I, I didn't quite know why the story kept kind of knocking upside my head. But as a writer, I paid attention to it and just wrote it down and thought I'd figure out later what it, what the heck it had to do with the book. And it started when I was 12 years old. I was at a summer camp and I was an avid horseback rider in those days, and I was at a at a horse show, and the horse show was finished, and the, the counselor said to me, Jamie, would you take this horse, Pete, and put him in the trailer? And I had never put a horse in a trailer before, but I was a very compliant kid, and of course I smiled and said sure, and I stood facing Pete, and I took the rough rope that was around Pete's halter, and I started Backing up, taking tiny steps, backing up into the trailer and pulling the rope. And Pete wasn't really having any of it. He was snorting and throwing his head back. And I kept encouraging him, come on, Pete, you know, let's go. And before I knew it, Pete had thrown his head back and stomped backwards, pulling this rope out of my hands ripping the skin off both of my hands, and I was in extreme pain. Mm. Someone, thankfully, brought me a bucket of water to submerge my hands. And I was sitting there with my hands in the water thinking, what is wrong with this horse? (laughs) This horse just will not do what I want him to do. And at that age of 12, and that time in my life, it never occurred to me that I had anything to do with the problem with the horse. Mm. And I realized in writing the first chapter of my book that this was such a great metaphor for what happens with leaders and employees, that very often leaders get into a tug of war with their employees, and they feel that they're just fighting them at every turn, and that they have nothing to do with it, that it's all the fault of the employee, just like I thought it was the fault of the horse. But in my coaching, I found that when the managers and leaders I work with can start to look at what they're doing to contribute to a better relationship and all different aspects of how they're helping their employees to be the best they can be, they find that they start to go beside their employees and work with them, which is exactly the best way to put a horse into a trailer which I learned many years (laughs) later that the best way is to walk beside the horse Mm. and be confident and lead the horse into the trailer with the horse. And the horse will go happily into the trailer.
0: Yeah, that's such a great picture you paint of. uh, It makes such sense. And I think any of us now, when we feel that we have this tug of war, or we're trying to force something along, or push it or pull it, it's like, no, just walk beside. And you know I think you're you're also alluding to the fact, Jamie, that you know the we need to be very contextually aware and environmentally sensitive to all the things that impact a situation or relationship. It's never just one thing, right? It's understanding mm-hmm. the full environment and all the influences and all the different perspectives. I mean that we live in a very diverse, complex world. and so being able to understand how all those pieces influence each other and our role in it and other people's role. It's the whole enchilada. And I think coming back to what you were saying, having a partner or a thought partner or a coach enables you to be able to step back sometimes and see the bigger picture and see all those influences and realize that it's not always about you, but how you are part of a bigger system.
1: Great, Well said, Robin as a leader we're in service to the people we're working with and you're so right that there it's a context there's a context to everything that's happening around us it's a system and it's really important to be in touch with what's going on and i think relationships we haven't talked a lot about that but i think the key is having ongoing positive relationships with all members of our team mm-hmm. and that creates the best culture we can have because When we have those trusting relationships, people know that our intentions are for what's best for both the employee and also for the organization. That both of those things have to be in sync and in balance Mm. and uh, have to be considered because if an employee feels that we're pushing something just for the organization, but it's at a detriment to the employee, that's not going to go across too well. So learning how we can have both of those needs met in that context, as you described, is, is really critical. Mm-hmm.
0: And so, Jamie, imagine you're working with someone who, who gets it. You know, they know the what. I, I do need to have less stress in my life. I do need to take more workload off my own shoulders. Uh, and I do know that I have to trust my employees. Yep, but there's a big but um, what do you find works? What were some of the strategies that you might advise as to how you begin to to minimise the but that I think is natural? Sometimes, we, you know, we do come up with this resistance. We, we know what we have to do, but we're just not too sure how we can do it or we don't trust ourselves or others that it's going to work if you do do it.
1: Well, I think the first step is identifying where that resistance is. And everybody has resistance. Um, but I find that when once someone has started to work with me, that's really half the battle because they're, they're saying, you know what, I need some help here. And they're recognizing that they want to work on this. And so that's a commitment right there. So the first step is committing to working on whatever the challenge is.
0: Beautiful. Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, just it's a big step to call a coach and it's an even bigger step to hire a coach. I've done it for myself, so I know how that feels. And then helping the person and the client get clarity around what do they want more of in their life and in their business. Most of my clients come to me because work has completely taken over their lives. They are so stressed out. Um, I do a little informal assessment where I ask them to rate their stress on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being maxed out stress. And most of the people who hire me are at a 9 to 10 on that scale. And I help them think about where is that stress coming from, what's causing their stress. And as we work together, we find where that stress is, so with, with some clients, for example, They have an employee who is causing one particular employee. It's amazing how much stress can come from one person. And we look at what role they're playing with that employee and what they've done to try and help the employee improve. Very often it comes to that they need to let the employee go and they just haven't had the courage to make those decisions in a timely fashion. And that it's amazing how much stress comes from that. Mm-hmm. They continue a relationship with someone for oh more than a year and continue to have challenges. And so it's not until they work on what, what they might be contributing to that employee relationship. And when they've done what they can do to try and bring the employee along and realize that the situation hasn't improved significantly enough, then in our coaching relationship, we talk about how to end that relationship with the employee in the best way that they can. And so that, that helps a lot to diminish their stress as a leader. So that's really one key thing that can be very helpful um, that I found with my clients.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I mean, really, it, it comes back to what we were alluded to earlier about understanding our role in that, so the self-awareness part of it what the relationship's about and who owns what in a way.
1: (laughs) Yes, I like the way you put that. Absolutely. And then another thing I I do with all of my clients, I'm also a certified social and emotional intelligence coach. So I start our work together with an assessment tool that I think is phenomenal. And I have a 360 version of it as well as an Mm -hmm. individual version. Mm -hmm. And from our analysis of the results of that, my clients begin to have their first insight when they see first by celebrating their strengths, because Mm -hmm. this assessment tool shows a lot of strengths that they have and seeing how their strengths have helped them to get to where they are. And then by looking at areas of growth, we map out a plan and Starting with wherever the client wants to start and focusing on improving areas. So for example, I have a client right now Who is a new leader and she's recognizing that her lower areas were in conflict management and empathy and those are two very important areas of social and emotional intelligence and so she's practicing improving her empathy and letting her team know that she understands their point of view and that she hears what they're saying and being more open to different points of view when there's conflict. And it's amazing the difference she's finding already in the relationships and the improvement of the relationship she's having with her team.
0: Yeah. it's And that for the client is so lightning. You know, it's like, oh my God, I feel so much lighter now because I can lift this piece off my shoulder. I have got ways of being able to improve myself and my relationships you just reminded me Jamie of several years ago I was working with one of the big management consulting firms as an outside coach and I was given seven high-performing young women to coach because this particular firm had a big attrition for young women who reached 30 something they're in senior management roles but they were dropping off and not wanting to aspire to partner level or director level and so When each of them came into the first coaching session with me, they brought their 360-degree feedback and they all pointed to me and said, these are my weaknesses. This is what my manager has told me I have to improve and maybe be on the career path for director or partner if that's what I want. And I looked at them and said, great, we'll get to that. But I want you to tell me what you perceive your strengths to be. When are you working at at your best? What gives you the greatest joy of your work? When do you find it comes easiest to you and you're most energised about what you do? Let's start with that. And that's what you're reminding me of when you get people to start with their strengths because that's where you find you can leverage those strengths. You know, people do have weaknesses, but my experience is that you can invest 80% of your time on your weaknesses and you're only going to move forward a little bit. But if you really know what you do best, you can really amplify that and get greater leverage out of that. Now, you have to do both because you need all these skill sets, you need all the relationships, you need dependencies on other people. However, just feeling good about what you know you do best and how you can maximise that, lifts the burden off your shoulders about what you're already good at. And then as you say, and you can move them forward about how they can improve on that and what are some of the things that they can address. And they may not have to do it because there might be other people in their team who are much, have different strengths and can compliment you on what you're doing. So I think what you're describing here is so so fits into the whole appreciative inquiry framework that I find really helps me and the work and my clients too.
1: Absolutely, Robin. There's definitely a lot of connection there. And I I agree um, in the way you so beautifully described it. So that's very true for me too.
0: Fabulous. Well, Jamie, is there something else that you would like to add? Well, I think the
1: last thing I'd like to add, Robin, is that as leaders and business owners, I, I find sometimes people feel that it's just stressful being a leader and it has to be this way. And so they feel almost stuck with the stress that they have and that work is their life and that they've lost touch with their life. And, you know, that's just the way it is. And what I say in my book and what I work on with my clients is really about helping people understand that it doesn't have to be that way, that we have a lot more influence over the amount of stress we have in our leadership and in our life than we think we do. And I found, you know, that happened for me as a school leader. I went through my own self-discovery in that way by being completely stressed out by the job early on. You know, we started with that at the beginning of our conversation. And early on in my leadership, I lost touch with friends. I didn't get enough sleep. I wasn't working out enough. I, you know, just let my work, my passion for my work completely take over my life and it wasn't good for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The stress wasn't good for my health. It wasn't good for many aspects of my life. And in my case, I had a diagnosis of breast cancer three years into my job as school principal that served as a wake-up call for me. And I like to help my clients not have that diagnosis or whatever it might be in their life because we know stress is very connected to health. And I'm not saying my breast cancer necessarily came from the stress, but you know we don't know in our lives all of the health aspects that we're dealing with that are related to stress, whether we're not sleeping well and we're not eating properly and all of that is definitely connected. And when we start to address that stress head on by figuring out what's in our power, to change about ourselves and how we lead and how we communicate. I know my clients are just blown away by the change it can make in their lives and really the title of my book Less Stressed Business came about because a coach I was working with asked me this question what do I hear most from my clients and I without even thinking I said well everybody tells me how much less stress they have after working together And the coach said, oh, less stress business. And that was how the title of the book was born. Um, (laughs) Because that's what I hear for people. And that was my own experience. So I think it's very possible for leaders and business owners and executives to choose to have less stress in our lives. And I just am passionate about helping people figure out how to do that.
0: Well, I can hear that. And with that story you've just shared with us you've put a big smile on my face so thank you for doing that and it certainly seems clear to me that you're living your mission and you've found your higher purpose here Jamie thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your story and and writing this book which is helping people find less stress or connect with their lives without as much stress
1: Thank you so much Robin it was a pleasure talking with you and I thank you for this opportunity
0: Bye now, Jamie. Bye-bye. Links to references and resources mentioned in this episode can be viewed in the show notes page for this episode at positivitystrategist.com slash PS17. And now to our Positively Lens activity for the week. And for this week, our objective is to create less stress in our lives. I recommend that you download the Positivity Lens Activity Guide for this episode to reinforce your commitment to yourself and strengthen your capacity to make a positive difference in your life. So consider the following. To what degree is your work taking over your life and thereby creating stress or tensions at work or in other areas of your life? Second consideration. If you were to take positive actions to reduce stress in your life, How might your proactive, positive change impact your relationships at home or at work? How might it impact your health, including diet and fitness, and also your recreational downtime? And what's the smallest thing that you can do this week that would reduce one area of stress in your life? Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows. So grow towards your best.